Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the How to Adult with Travis Walker podcast. Make sure while you're listening to this episode to hit the share button so that all of us can learn how to adult. Today's guest is a very good friend of mine, fraternity brother of mine, and a succeeding real estate agent in the Houston area. His name is Kenton Ellis, and he is doing amazing work, but he had a bumpy ride along the way, and so he came on the show to encourage people that are in a bumpy season of life to keep going, persevere, and you will succeed. You will do amazing things. So let's get into the episode and learn how to adult. Kenton, welcome to the How to Adult podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. I'm excited because I think you've got a great story. And honestly, I don't even think I know any of the details, even though we're really good friends. Yeah, I've, I've been on <laughs> the journey since uh, everyone left Texas State and everyone kind of goes their own way and it, you got to find a path. So Yeah, it's truly odd. Uh, <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable because people just branch out and go do amazing things. But it's cool to, you know, root on everybody, root for everyone as they go off and do that. Um. Well, awesome. So I usually start off my show pretty simply just asking a few uh, a few questions, and that is age, location, and work. So what is your age, where are you located, and what are you doing for work right now? Um, I'm 26. Uh, I'll be 27 this year on October 31st, so it's coming up pretty quick. Uh, currently living in Houston, so that's going to be like the northwest side. Houston's huge, um, so northwest is important. Uh, yes. I'm a real estate agent full-time. Um what was the last question, Travis? Was that covered all? That's it. That's oh, it. Age, her. location, and work. Yeah, we we've done it. Uh, I I absolutely am am fascinated with real estate, so I think we're gonna have a really good show. But I really want to focus on your journey to becoming a real estate agent because I know that you've had you know a lot of challenges, a lot of tribulations, and I think that we can learn from that. Uh, and so I'm excited to kind of know how you view your story, looking on the other side of it, right? Uh, so I'm excited. So here we go. So I just want to start with your college experience. This is where we met. You know, I want you to kind of tell your story. Was it smooth sailing? Was college a smooth sailing experience for you? Or was it uh, a little difficult? Did you have some challenges that you had to face? Yeah. So I mean, um, I'd say that the beginning of my college career was pretty smooth sailing. It was an easy transition from high school. Um, and it was easy when I wasn't studying anything geared to a certain, you know, uh, direction. Uh, so yeah. my basics, I, I enjoyed, it was cool. Uh, but as soon as it became time to focus on a career path, I found myself jumping from major to major to major to, you know, like doing different minors, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and um, nothing just seemed to stick and keep my yeah. interest. And, and the way that I'm built, and I know this about myself, is that if I'm passionate, um, I'll do hundred percent. I can, I can, you know, do excellent. Uh, but if it doesn't have my heart, doesn't have my passion, it, it doesn't have my energy and it won't have my time. So, right. Wow. That that's really strong. It, it, you know, I can see how that could be such a strength of just like, if you know, you're in it, you're in it. And if you know, you do, you're not, you're not And college is a weird time because, you know, at 18, we're asked to to pick the rest of our lives, uh, which is a little intimidating. And, we, you know, there's a debate of if that should be a thing or not. But, uh, you know, it, it, did you feel that way? You know, and is that why you changed your major so many times? How many times did you change your major? Um, I probably changed three or four times. I went in to study business. 
Um, from business, I went to politics. Uh, from politics, I went to criminal justice. Um, so it just, I couldn't pick what I wanted to do. I, I knew that I liked helping people and I wanted to, you know, leave a positive mark. I just couldn't figure out what kind of positive mark I wanted to leave. And that was the hardest part for me. And uh, kind of what you said, like with the, you know, choosing what you do want to do after being, you know, 18 and in high school. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I've read online, and I, I can't remember who um, came up with it, but he said, you know, it's crazy. You go from raising your hand and asking permission to use the restroom to being asked to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. And that's like <laughs> a normal transition. Uh, yeah. I never really thought about it like that, but it's it's the truth, you know? Yeah, that is that is insane. I, I love that quote, and it's absolutely true. Uh, and it's uh, we could go on and on about that. Uh, but you know, changing your major three or four times, what how what kind of impact did that have on your college experience? And, and you know, looking back on it now, I can tell that you're really reflective about it. You know, as you look back, what kind of impact does that have in your story uh, of changing your major and the impact of that ha- that has? Um, I mean, it, it made things difficult to the start. Um, you know, I found success in, in the, you know, working at the part-time job I had, which was in leasing, which kind of started my road to, to real estate unknowingly. Um, but with the, the academic side, it was really hard because um, I, you know, in high school, I, I had straight A's. That's how I got into college. And I had never really failed at anything in my life. Um, so yeah. it was one of the first times I was experiencing failure. Um, and it's kind of where I learned that you can do two things when you're failing. You can, you know, sit and, and lay in it and not move, or you can get yourself back up and start moving in a different direction. And uh, luckily, I chose to do the latter because uh, I know a lot of people that'll sit and stew in it and they can't get past it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that that's the story of a lot of people going to college for the first time. You know, they are encountering failure failure for the first time because high school was, you know, e- easy for them. Right. And so uh, I think that that's a great message. Right. How you deal with failure, failure, I think, in, in, in my opinion, really defines you as a person uh, because it's really showing your character uh, as a human. And so you had you're dealing with failure for the very first time. What are some of the practical steps that you took? to, to kind of go against failure. You know, you said that you're, you kind of turned the other direction and started moving in that direction. What does that look like? Um, so the first step is to just kind of step back and acknowledge that it's happening and try to figure out why. And that was the hardest part for me. You know, I was like, why am I not able to do this? I know I'm capable. I know I'm intelligent. Um, but for some reason I can't get myself to accomplish a goal. And that's when I realized that it's because I'm trying to do something that I'm not passionate about. And I, you know, like I said, I work in passion. So if I'm passionate about it, um, 100% can complete it. But if I'm not, my just my focus and my energy is elsewhere. And what I noticed was that my passion for the classroom was not there because I wasn't interested in the subjects. Um, But on the flip side with my part-time job um, at the retreat, if you guys are from San Marcos, you'll know, we spent (laughs) a lot of time at the pool there. Um, I was one of the number one leasing agents in the building and I was excellent at my job. I could sell the apartments. I understood the contracts. I, I enjoyed talking to parents about it and um, it really just kind of got me going. And I liked the marketing aspect and, you know, kind of building those relationships. And it, you know, from there, it probably took me about eight years to realize that that was real estate knocking at my door. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I turned to was I, I poured my focus into my work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this part-time job, I I think, 
I think everyone in our circle really noticed that this this part time job that you had was uh, incredibly impactful. And on the other side of it, we now we know kind of the outcome of how impactful it was. Uh, and so you mentioned a few things that you were good at. Uh, or so how do we as individuals kind of start noticing these green flags of I should be pursuing this instead of this? You know, what are some of the things that you started noticing as you move in this real estate direction? Um, I guess the, it, what made it easy for me to notice, and I don't know if everyone else will, will have this be a factor. Um, but as I was working this job, you know, what's meant to be a part-time job, all of a sudden, you know, I was being offered full-time work opportunity. I was being offered opportunities to move up. I was being acknowledged for the, the work that I do and, and being kind of set apart from my peers that also worked in the office. And don't get me wrong. I love all my retreat people. We were all good yeah. at jobs. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was being acknowledged as being, you know, the, the cream of the crop. Um, and so those made it very clear to me and, you know, what I wanted to do and, I'd say the hardest part for me was actually um, discussing it with my parents because, as you know, everyone's parents take a huge role. And it was tough for me to explain to to my parents, like, hey, um, I want to pursue this instead. Uh, I know I'm in college right now and you guys want me to finish and get my degree, but I want to take a different life path. And that was a tough conversation to have. Um, yeah. But once that conversation was done, I, I felt solid going forward with it. So, Yeah. Yeah. So you did, did you finish your degree at Texas state? I have an astounding, um, eight courses left. Okay. So I do plan to go back and finish. Um, and now that I'm doing what I love, I think I might actually change what I was studying and go back and maybe study marketing or business, um, to kind of add to what my field and what I can do. Um, but I don't plan to go back and finish criminal justice and that's what I left. Yeah. Yeah, that I think you're in a in an incredible position of strength at this point, actually, because now you can go back and treat college as professional development rather than education to get into something, which I think is incredibly powerful. Is that how you're viewing it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. Is you know, it's adding to my business, and and you know, as a real estate agent, you own your business. It's it's yours. It's like a child, and so. I want to be the best parent for my business that I can be. And I know eventually, you know, going back and finishing and getting a business degree or, or something in marketing would be beneficial for my child. Um, and then the other thing that, you know, blessing and a curse uh, during COVID, uh, most things are online now. So, so where, you know, a couple of years ago, I couldn't have finished at Texas State unless I wanted to go back and be on campus and live in San Marcos, which I don't want to do. Um, yeah. Now I have the ability to do that online if I choose to do so. So. That's incredible. I absolutely love that. That's incredibly convenient. It's a lot. I'm going for my MBA right now. And that how I treat the MBA is professional development because, you know, I right now I'm running businesses for schools. And so everything that they're teaching me, like I'm, I'm doing. And so I'm really teaching, uh, treating it like a, like a professional development, which I think is incredibly powerful. So I love that you're kind of having, having the same approach. Um, we went on a tangent. So <laughs> let's see. So you, you've got all these challenges. You've worked through your challenges. Did you feel in, in your college experience, kind of jumping back to that, did you feel confused at any point? And, and going through that confusion, uh, what, what, how did you feel in that moment? You know, as you're trying to, to find the major for you, you're trying to find the path for you. You didn't even know that it was going to be outside the university setting. How did you deal with that confusion? 
I mean, honestly, uh, it, it was scary. It's, it's, it's not a fun time. Um, you're just kind of flying by the, for me, at least I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and I was watching my friends, you know, uh, take on, um, you know, internships and kind of branch out and, you know, they're very passionate about what they're doing. And when asked, you know, I would put on a front, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm really passionate about what I'm studying. Like, this has been a great course and I'm really like it in the back of my head. I'm like, well, I mean, it was an interesting course, but am I really passionate about it? Do I, do I want to do an internship? Do I want to keep going in this direction? But um, you know, life is kind of like a river and there's not really any stopping it. Uh, so you kind of, kind of steer. And so you just start steering in the way that you're meant to go. Um, right. Try to stop yourself. You're, you're just going against the current. And you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as Bobcats, we know all about rivers and currents. Um, <laughs> uh, so a, you, a few times you've mentioned something I think is really important, which is, you know, external factors. Right. You mentioned, you know, friends going through their path and, and how that impacts us as individuals. And then you also mentioned your parents as well. Uh, how do you suggest dealing with external factors? Because they impact us whether we like it or not, whether we want them to or not. And so how did you approach uh, those conversations that obviously were difficult? Um, I mean, with friends, uh, that was tough because it's, it's hard. Uh, with my closer friends, I guess it was easier. But, you know, with when you're in college, you have a, a close knit group of friends and you have a broad set of friends and then you have people that you kind of know. And then you have orientees if you were in orientation. So your, your, your scope of people is huge. Um, so, I mean, with my closer friends, it was easier to kind of, you know, give them what I was going through and, and ask for advice and they were able to help. Um, but with like the broader friends, I, I, I put up a front um, and, and I don't acknowledge or I don't give advice that people do so um because yeah. it took a lot of work and it was a lot of effort poured into that uh into putting up a front like you know I was okay and everything was going fine um with your parents um everyone's relationship with their parents is different um but for me I found that honesty was key and so you know I feel like if a lot of people took the time to explain to their parents and you know gave them an honest explanation of you know that they're lost or they're confused or not happy um you'd be surprised with the response you get because you know um, initially your parents first thought, and this was my mother's first thought was, well, the reason he's not doing well is because he's drinking his life away in college or he's mm. partying too much or he's not focusing or, you know, he's doing this, that, and the other. Um, but if you explain it's like an internal battle, um, they might be more willing to, you know, listen to you and maybe even be able to give you some advice. So, right. Right. So did, did you end up getting advice from, from these external groups you, or friends or, or parents? Um, yeah, for my mother, uh, she said, you know, I need to do what makes me happy and, you know, happiness comes first. And so when I can figure that out, everything else will kind of shift into place. And so that's kind of where my focus turned was, you know, what makes me happy and, um, stop trying to think about, you know, the fact that I have to get a degree or I'm, I'm, you know, not going to be successful in life if I don't. Um, and the other factor was, you know, monetary thinking. So I kept having this thought of like, oh, you know, if I don't, graduate with a degree, I can't make any money. And that was, you know, a huge pressure. Um, and it took a lot to realize that, you know, that's not always the case. Right. Right. I absolutely agree. A piece of paper doesn't define you as a person. It also doesn't define the amount of money that you're going to make. So, uh, we can, we can burst that bubble real quick. Uh, so that's really good. So thinking about your transition from, uh, you know, college to getting your real estate license, how did that transition did you utilize a lot of the skills that you learned in college to get your real estate license what was that like um so actually there was a 
broad journey from there. So, um, you know, I stopped doing the college thing. I took a full-time job and I moved to San Antonio. Um, I worked there and managed a uh, complex just outside of UTSA. Um, and I did that for probably about a year, maybe year and a half. And I got a call from my supervisor at the time, my boss's boss. And he said, Hey, um, there's a property out in Arizona. It's not successful. We need a, someone to go pump some life into there. And we'd like to send you out to Arizona to do it. And you're going to wow. be the general manager of this property. Uh, this is wow. going to be like a huge step for you. And normally, you know, it's like, it's a three, four year process before we offer this, but we're going to send you out there right now. And so in the middle of COVID, I packed up my truck, uh, bought a U-Haul trailer and drove to Arizona to do that. Um, and I did that all through the coronavirus. Um, it was, I guess, 20, 2020 to 2021. I, I didn't really know anybody out there. Um, I had like maybe a handful of friends and I just kind of, you know, really put my nose to the grindstone to turn that property around. Wow. Wow. That A, that's an incredible opportunity. And so how did you honor that? Uh, some people would like, you know, not do well in that that scenario. So how did you honor that opportunity, knowing that it could really amplify and propel you forward? How did you approach it and how did you do? Um, when I was there, just took it one step at a time. Um, so I used everything that I had watched my bosses do to be successful. And I just started to apply it. Um, I found the first thing when I got there was just... Uh, you know, it's one thing for me to come in with a certain mindset. It's another thing for the staff that existed there. And so the first thing was to, and as mean as it sounds, I had to kind of weed out the staff members that were causing the problems and the property to be unsuccessful. So basically sitting everybody down, um, setting new expectations. And then um, for those who couldn't meet set expectations, unfortunately, letting them know that, you know, it was time for their life path to change, just as mine had just changed. Um, right. You know, it's one of those things that I'm sure you know, maybe they'll get the opportunity to have a podcast and I'll be the one that caused them to have their failure that turned them around or not. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a sink or swim moment, right? Because you're in this scenario of, I'm, I'm sure there was pressure uh, of, you know, I really got to do this and do this well. And to do that, you got to make, make difficult decisions, right? And so that, yeah. that definitely makes sense to me. Uh, so, so you go to San Antonio, you're, you're working there and then you get asked to manage a property in Arizona. What's your transition like getting, uh, getting back. So, so coming back from Arizona to, I guess the Houston area. So I guess that's a, another interesting transition. Um, I was probably in Arizona for a little over a year. Um, and you know, when I first got there, I had burning passion to turn this property around and that geared all my focus and, I was, you know, I, I worked, um, I mountain biked for a hobby and that was pretty much all I did. Uh, those are my two things. And then eventually, um, you know, the work grind started to kind of take over and I had less time to do the things I wanted to because the property was in, it needed a lot of work, a lot yeah. of things. Um, and I found myself entering in, I guess, what would be the second time that I was just kind of, I, there's no way to describe it, but a depression. Um, you know, I would come home from my work day. And rather than going to the gym, which I'm passionate about, or hanging out with my dogs, trying to, you know, make time for friends, um, I would sit on my couch, I would lay down in a blanket, and I would turn on NCIS, and I would just watch TV. And that was my every day for about wow. two, three months, I didn't want to do anything, I, I gained some weight, um, you know, like most people did during COVID, but mine was right. <laughs> the gyms were open, I had no excuse. Sure. Um, and I was laying there and kind of stuck in my self-pity and I saw this, uh, little 
thing on my Facebook that said real estate courses. And I was like, you know what, let's do it. And so I bought the course and I started doing it. Um, I knocked it out in four weeks, started calling brokerages in Houston and said, if you hire me, I'll move. And wow. one that did. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody bit the bait. That's awesome. Yeah. It was because, uh, you know, they're like, well, you're in Arizona. What can you do from there? You have to be here. And I was like, I'll move. <laughs> I can move. I will come back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm curious if you've had you've been back for a little while. And so have you had a conversation with your your uh, broker of why they bit the bait on, on that? You know, that seems like a very interesting opportunity, a very interesting situation. Why did they bite the bait? Um, he just said I seemed, uh, you know, very confident, very motivated. Um, and for the broker, I, I was good fit for the team and it's not a huge risk on his side. So, um, you know, as a real estate agent, you work on commission. So it's not as if he's paying me a salary, he's losing any money on me. Uh, the only thing he had to lose was, was time and training me. Um, so because I checked all the other boxes besides being in Houston, uh, you know, he decided that if I could make that happen, I, I would. And sure yeah. enough, I did. And I had an interesting first day in the office. Um, I showed up in a, you know, essentially a button down shirt, my slacks, my dress shoes. Um, and I had missed or they had forgotten to send me the email that said that, you know, the first meeting would be at his pool um, in his backyard <laughs> because they were you know, celebrating a, a good year so far. And so I showed up in corporate attire and, you know, they're on their swimsuits. And so I had to go home and change. And that was kind of my first introduction to not working nine to five was, you know, we had a work meeting at the pool and it was fun and everybody seemed so relaxed. And I was so, so um, I guess confused by the structure because there yeah. was, many, you know, it was very casual. Um, and so that yeah. was a big, that's very different. <laughs> yeah. That's very different than, than what you normally would expect. And that's Absolutely. not every day. Uh, you know, we do meet in the office and, and you know, <laughs> we, we dress professionally, but just so happened that that one was like a, Hey, you know, we're having a great year. Let's celebrate. And that was yeah. the I went to. So they're just throwing a party to welcome you, obviously. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they just lost That's, the invite. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you mention earlier that you you finished all your coursework and got your real estate license in four weeks? Is that what you yeah. said earlier? I took an wow. online course, and um, I took all that time that I was sitting on the couch, and I just applied it to doing the course. Um, so wow. the course was at my own speed. I think the fastest they recommended someone finishing it was. Uh, I think it's like two and a half weeks was the the max that you could finish quickly. And so I decided that that might be a little too aggressive. So I took <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, with working full time at the same time. Yeah. That might've been a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's way quicker than I, than I thought that uh, th these courses uh, were. So that's uh, pretty incredible. Um so thinking about, you know, you were in the leasing office for uh, for a while, you were managing properties for a while. What type of skills transitioned from those opportunities to now running your own business as a real estate agent? What what transferred really well? Um, I'd say, first off, it was a lot of like the leasing training, pardon me, that I got. Um, so, you know, the ability to cold call, the ability to um, make connections with people to, um, you know, build that rapport instantly on the phone, knowing the questions to ask, not being afraid to ask the questions. I don't know if you've ever done any time cold calling people, um, <laughs> but it can be very awkward. It can be very intimidating. Um, some people are not friendly. So you do get some angry people that, you know, don't want to be called. 
right. and there's key questions that you want to make sure you're, you're asking and not being afraid to ask or too timid or too shy. Uh, so all of those were great. Um, knowing how to make and run a budget was, you know, extremely important. Cause like I said, we're paid on commission. So if I don't budget outright, um, there's nothing to help me. You know, if I'm right. not any money, I don't have any money. Um, and then I would say knowing how to manage my time, uh, is huge because in real estate, uh, you will work seven days a week, um, sometimes, and you know, you really need to know how to manage your day. So if I want to continue to be able to build um, future business, make calls, reach out to leads. Uh, I have to plan that in my day because some of my day will be taken up with showing the leads that I currently have. Uh, but if you stop either one, uh, you're not going to be successful. So if you're not building and planning for f- the future, you know, in two months time when you were so busy, then all of a sudden you'll be dead because you haven't done anything to build that future. Right, right. A, a, a big requirement, I, I guess would say, for real estate is clients. How, how do you funnel or, or receive or, uh, you know, get the clients that you need to make your commission? How do you, uh, how do you funnel that? How do you find those clients? Um, so when I started, I went to a brokerage that helps with marketing. Uh, so they give you people who sign up on their website and you can call them and you can reach out to them. And that's, that's a huge, that's starting off. That was a huge help to me. Um, now a lot of my stuff is referral based. And so, you know, it's making sure you do an excellent job so that when, you know, you go out to drinks and you're having a casual conversation with your friend and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Houston. I, I got to find a house. Wait, I have a realtor. Like you need to use this guy. And so yeah. that's, that's kind of how a lot of my business comes to pass now, which is, you know, just people saying, Oh yeah, I, I know a guy that can help you. And, you know, he helped me get my house. And, um, that's, that's honestly the part of the business I enjoyed the most uh, is when you get to help friends or family. Um, like I got to help the Montefuscos buy their first house when they moved. Yeah. Houston. And that was huge moment for me. Um, you yeah. Know, to help somebody I knew and, you know, uh, family, friends, and then, you know, eventually it just becomes, you know, other people's acquaintances, but um, that's kind of how I funnel my business. I, I mean, there's millions of different ways to do it. You can sign up for lead generation on the side. You I have a website that I built. Um, so I get a few leads from there every now and again. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's no one way to do it. Um, it's yeah. just what works best for you. Yeah, that that's incredible. I, I think that's super fascinating. How long did it take you to, you know, build your business to a point where it, it you were self-sustaining yourself, not living off of savings, not living off of any money you had, but living off of the money that you're actually making? Or are you still in that process? Um, no, I'm self-sustaining now. Um, it was tough. Uh, so when I first moved here, uh, because I was so eager to change my career, I, I had savings. Um, but obviously with um, moving and, and those expenses, it, it drained pretty quick. Um, it probably took me uh, 30 days to, to get my first lease, but that's not, that's not enough money to sustain myself. And, you know, as, uh, coming from a career where, where I had a salary, you know, I have a car payment, I have insurance, I have bills to pay. Um, yeah. And so I actually picked up a second job. Um, I'm not, you know, afraid to, to say that I had to have a nighttime job to be able to sustain real estate. And it was not a pleasant job. Um, I picked up trash from apartments with my truck. I would drive around and I would be the valet trash service and I'd put it in the truck and I'd take it to trash cans. Uh, yeah. So from 8 a.m. to uh, about 6 p.m., I was doing real estate. I would take an hour for dinner and then from 8 p.m. until about 2 a.m. at night, I would be picking up trash through a valet trash service to kind of be able to sustain my real estate business. And I did that for three, four months um, before wow. I could be you know, completely sustained on real estate. Wow. 
Wow. So, so about three or four months with a, with a side job that you didn't enjoy very much, but, but you saw the vision, you saw the, the finish line and you just had to get there and it took uh, three to four months. Uh, and, and so what was your kind of financial situation like? So you, you, you mentioned a car payment, you mentioned dogs a few times. What, what was your finance? Did you have a lot of bills or, or kind of a few bills for, for a person by themselves? I mean, cut it down a little bit you know um i i had my dogs they you know taking care of them my truck payment um luckily my mom lives here in houston i was able to convince her to let me live at the house again for a little while and so i was doing that so i wasn't worried about you know rent uh but i know that can be a big one for an individual um right you know with my age i'm on my own insurance so i, I have to pay for an insurance plan I, I don't get you know insurance via real estate you, you pay for your own plan there's no company one um right so that's a big cost um, and then obviously the things that you don't really think of, which is like, you know, your phone, like paying off your phone and paying for your phone service. And so everything adds up really quickly uh, when yes. you don't have consistent income coming in. And so you really have to plan, um, which is why I took that second job. I'd also, for anybody who's interested in starting, if you do decide to take a second job, um, make it something that you don't like or don't enjoy, because there is nothing that will motivate you faster to be successful than doing something you don't want. So every time I was picking up trash, and putting it in the back of my truck, which I love my truck. It's like a 2018 Tundra. I hated putting people's trash in the bed of it. And I would have to yeah. watch it every single night to make myself feel better. Um, yeah. Every time I was doing that, I just thought, you know, how long do we want to do this? Like, how long do you not want to be successful? And if you want to be successful, let's go be successful so we can stop doing this. Um, right. So I would wake up at 8 a.m. and that was my motivation. I love that. Put yourself in a scenario where you're naturally going to be motivated and you will always have motivation. And I think that's incredible. Uh, so as you're you know, getting your real estate journey started, are there any like models or procedures that you're adopting? You know, a lot of people uh, adopt the law of averages uh, for for that type of thing, like how many calls they need to make to get to a lead. Um, so I'm interested. How, what kind of models were, or procedures were you kind of putting yourself in? Um, so when I first started, uh, there wasn't a magical number of calls to make. I was just making calls. I had nothing else to do. I didn't have any clients. Um, so I would just make calls and I would make, you know, maybe 200, 300 calls a week, um, just making calls, trying to talk to people, trying to get clients. Um, now, as I get busier, I find that I have, you know, less time for calls, but I do make it important and try to make sure that, you know, I'm at least chatting with, you know, 30, 40 people a week to try to keep that alive. Um, the only reason I say it's slowed down is just because I, I do have clients now. So I can't sit around and call people all day. Um, yeah. But I guess if you're not building your business for the future, it will fail. Um, so right. I would say keep yourself honest, like 30, 40 calls a week. Um, luckily, like I said, I moved to a brokerage that has a lot of technology behind it. That was a big thing for me. Um, and so we have, you know, plans in place that'll send, you know, automatic texting and things to like keep people engaged and, and send emails and, and that type of thing. Um, and so that takes a lot of the stress off of me having to do it is, you know, the system is doing it for me. And, and so if you are going to shift over to real estate and you have the ability to, you know, use that kind of technology, um, learn the system, uh, let the system right. work for you um, because it's going to save you a lot of time uh, and, and it, it'll allow you to apply your, your time elsewhere. And so um, in real estate, uh, I know it's going to sound corny, but your time is money. So if, you yes. know, if you're spending six hours doing this, you could be, you know, applying it elsewhere and, and make more money, apply it elsewhere. So, right. Right. 
And so thinking about, you know, just the nature of, of being a real estate agent in general, there are hundreds of thousands of, of real estate agents. Uh, and, you know, it seems like every every family in the world has a real estate agent in, in it. So uh, a key indicator that I've noticed about the industry is that you have to set yourself apart from every other real estate agent that there is. Otherwise, you'll, you'll be looked over. Uh, and so how do you do that? How do you set yourself apart from the other real estate agents that, that are out there? Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's my work ethic. Um, I always ask for a review from clients. That's going to go a long way uh, because the first thing you do when you talk to a stranger that you might be making one of the biggest life purchases of your, of your life with is yeah. you Google him. You Google that stranger. You want to know who they are. Um, so that's, that's a huge one. Um, and then just pr- treating people the way that they would like to be treated. And you made a good point. There are a ton of real estate agents out there, um, but as I, I developed this saying, I don't know if anybody else has ever coined it, uh, not all real estate agents are created equal. And I mean that <laughs> the nicest way, but you will find agents who are fantastic at their jobs. There's agents who are better than me. They've been doing it longer and you know, uh, I'll admit that I'm new. And then you'll find agents who aren't so good at their jobs. And you know, your job is just to do it the best that you can and to be honest with your clients. And I find that if you do that, you treat them right and you come across as an honest, you know, really wanting to help them. Um, it'll build and again, yeah, I lose a client, you know, I I call somebody and they're like, Hey, my cousin's, you know, brother's sister is a real estate agent. I'm going to use them. And I said, you know, that's fantastic. I just like to keep in touch with you, you know, during your housing journey. So I'm going to, you know, maybe just send up a follow-up text in a month and see how everything's going with your cousin's boyfriend's brother. And, you know, sometimes (laughs) I follow up in a month and they're like, Hey, I have a house. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. And then other times I follow up in a month and they're like, it's going awful. Um, can we meet for coffee? <laughs> and so at that point, you know, I, I've won a client just by being diligent, following up in a month. And the biggest thing is I tell them I'm going to follow up in a month. You have to actually follow up in a month or actually right. follow up with them in the future. Um, and right. so that builds rapport right off the bat is doing what you say. Right, right. It, it's uh, People don't think about it, but it's very much so a relation-based business. You have to have a relationship to really be successful of what I've noticed. I'm not a successful real estate agent, but uh, of what I hear, you have to be relationship-based. Have you noticed the same thing? Oh yeah. Um, You know, each one of my clients, I, you know, I like to think I have my own special kind of relationship with, Um, you know, I'm not going to say that we're all best friends and and you won't be, you know, Um, right. You can't invest yourself to, you know, want to be best friends with every single one of them, but, you know, um, occasionally some of them will go as far to invite me to their home warming parties or invite me, you know, to the pool and I'll check up with them. Like uh, one of my uh, clients that we bought a home, their big thing is they wanted a pool. Uh, They were, you know, their kids had just moved out. They wanted space for themselves. They wanted a new house and they wanted one with a pool. That was their big requirements. And so we found a pool and I was, you know, running around town one day and I noticed it was super sunny. So I texted him. I said, Hey Jay, I, I bet you and your wife are at the pool right now. And he sent me a picture back of them at the pool hanging out. <laughs> and he was like, you know, you should come to the pool too. And so, um, you know, sure enough, like later on, uh, I went and I visited and we swam in their pool and we hung out. And, you know, that's kind of our friendly relationship that we have now. Um, yeah. You know, not all clients are going to end like that. That's like the, you know, nice stories. But um, at least during the search and everything, you definitely want to build some sort of rapport and relationship. Um, I like to try to keep it professional while we're, you know, looking for the home up until the deal closes. And then if you want to build a personal relationship, uh, definitely go for it. Um, but I wouldn't start building that personal relationship during the deal because, you know, 
you're doing business at the same right time, so yeah sometimes you have to deliver bad news in, in this scenario so that could be that could be de- definitely be awkward uh so that that definitely makes sense so you're making it as a real estate agent so i'd love to you know hear from you what are uh, what do you like most about it? What are the like the key things that you're just like, yes, this is it. I knew that this was it. What are the best things about it? Um, for me, I, I love being in charge of my own time, making my own schedule. Um, it's also dangerous because uh, you can do one of two things. Uh, you can overcommit yourself and and you know drive yourself into the ground, or you can undercommit yourself and be lazy all day. Uh, and people yeah. kind of fall in through all bits of the spectrum. But if you can find like a solid middle ground. Um, not working a nine to five and being in charge of your own time can be beautiful. Um, I'd say that, and this is going to be a weird one that most people would disagree with. Um, I like the fact that there is no safety net. And I think that's just kind of my, my personality, my passion. So I know that if I decide to be lazy, if I decide to stop working, um, there's nothing that's going to catch me. There's no salary that sits behind me that, you know, can be like, Oh, Kenton decided to be a bad worker for a week, but you know, we're still going to pay him. Um, yeah. that's not the case in my field. So there is no other option, but to do the work, but to be successful if I want to be successful. Um, and yeah. so I think I, with my personality, I need a driving force like that behind me, that kind of fire to keep me moving in the right direction. <laughs> right. Right. I think the thing that I is most fascinating to me about being a real estate agent is that there's really unlimited earning potential uh, but there, the, the flip side of that is that there's unlimited not earning potential as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, the sky's the limit, but you know, the ground, can, it can be hard. <laughs> <laughs> it can be pretty hard. Right. Exactly. Uh, so you, we've kind of talked about the, the flip side of the best things, uh, but I'll go ahead and still ask the question of, of what are some of the biggest challenges that, that you face, uh, being a full-time real estate agent now and, and making it. So what are the biggest challenges? Um, I guess like it would kind of be on the flip side. So I do find myself um, on those weeks that I overcommit, um, you know, my relationship with my girlfriend or, you know, if I'm trying to be at a family function or something like that, um, I'm that guy that, you know, his phone's going off or I got to go pull myself in the corner. Or I got to bust out my laptop. Um, my friends know me for bringing my book back. I <laughs> and busting out the laptop in the middle of, you know, us hanging out and start working and and they get mad at me for it. And so that, that does weigh sometimes I feel bad. Um, And then on the other hand, you know, my job is completely, you know, dependent upon our market. And so I I do watch it and, you know, everyone's talking about the housing market nonstop. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I live and breathe it. Everyone likes to talk about it. It's interesting. And so, you know, watching the market kind of start to do this turn, it's slowing down and things are changing and since rates are rising. Um, it's, you know, there's always a fear in the back of my head is like, oh, wow, if this all comes to crashing down, you know, um, I could really put myself in a not great position. And, and so the biggest thing with that is just kind of making those lifestyle adjustments and, and being prepared for the worse. Um, but that is a, you know, something I guess a lot of real estate agents probably have in the back of their mind, you know, is, you know, if, if it comes crashing down hard, you know, we could find ourselves out of work for a little bit. Um, right. So. Yeah. So how do you prepare for that? Do you prepare for that? You know, knowing that, uh, you know, it can, it, it's not real, uh, you know, consistent. How do you prepare for a, a potential inconsistency? Um, so my plan is, you know, obviously I don't want to do another career. Uh, if I had to, I would shift back to what I was doing, which is managing property. Um, people always have to live somewhere. 
I wouldn't put real estate on pause. I would simply just do it, you know, as more of a side job. I, I do it on my weekends. It'd probably take up the better half of my evenings. Um, and I'd kind of go back to that working two job scenario. Um, yeah. and I've done it once, so I know I can do it again. Um, but um, I mean, that's, that's really all you can do, you know, make sure you're not, you know, you can make a lot of money in real estate. Don't, don't spend it all. <laughs> save know, some, save some and, and be ready for that rainy day. And when, you know, if things slow down and also just adjusting, you know, the way you treat the market. So, you know, the, the offers that I would advise my clients to make now aren't the same offers that I was advising them to make, you know, two, three months ago, the market's different. Right. It's always changing. You have to change with it. You can't just, you know, peg yourself in the ground and say, you know, this is what it is. It's always going to be like this. Um, yeah. so I kind of, you know, flow with the ride. Right. Right. That's incredible. I, I love that. Absolutely. So I'd like to just talk about your final piece of advice for someone that feels like they're uh, going through more challenges than their peers. Uh, you know, you've had you've had a bumpy ride, but you've made it. And so what's that final piece of advice of, for somebody that's going right now through, you know, a bumpy ride? Um, I would say one, don't give up. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's always the other side of things. It's always going to settle out. Um, don't do it alone. Um, you know, I did a lot of mine alone and I wish I had been more open to asking friends for advice or reaching out for help. And you'd be surprised that if you do reach out to your friends for help, they, they want to help you. They want to see you be successful. I, I love watching my friends be successful. I like looking through Instagram and seeing people start families, get married. I saw your podcast start. It was like, that's awesome. Travis is building yeah. that. Um, and you know, I, I just like people, you know, watching people grow. And so if, if you're not growing, I, I'm sure that your friends want to watch you grow. So I would say biggest piece of advice, reach out to somebody, don't do it alone. We're, we're not alone in this world, uh, for a reason. And so, you know, um, have them help you. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I totally agree. I love watching people be successful. It's like amazing. And it's also very motivating. Like you want to be, you want to be doing things too, right? Uh, well, that's incredible. So for those listeners that are out there and they want to learn more about your journey, they want to learn more about you. They want to buy a house from you. Where should they go? Where should they go find you? Um, so they can Google Cypher Real Estate. They'll find me there. Uh, they can also Google uh, Ellis Estates Realty. Uh, that's my own website. They can find me there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, really anywhere that I can put my business card. I will. I put it in people's Christmas trees, bathrooms. I leave it at restaurants. Um, so, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm out there at this point. I've, I've, I've put my name out there as, as, in many, as many platforms as I can. So. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, go find Kenton on all the platforms or go to a restaurant and find his card. Uh, but you might just want to Google. <laughs> <laughs> you also go follow the podcast at Huddle Adult TW on Facebook and Instagram. We are going to continue to learn how to adult together.